Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of our Climate Breakdown podcast, your home for in-depth discussion and debate on the state of the climate. Climate Breakdown is offered to you by the Climate Expertise Center at the VU Amsterdam. My name is Mathieu Blondel, I'm your host, and today we are once again recording in the studio of our very own campus radio. It is often said that scientists must remain neutral, that they have an obligation to stick to the facts, to their research, and that they must avoid becoming all too activist. After all, this could undermine the credibility of their work, and in the worst case, even the credibility of the institutions they work at. It's something that we hear often in the context of climate science as well. But what does neutrality mean in the face of an ever-growing climate crisis, with facts and evidence about causes and consequences so abundantly clear? Does this neutrality argument still hold up? Or, in the words of Albert Einstein, does the privilege to know entail a duty to act? That is what we're talking about today, science and climate activism. To what extent can scientists and universities take up a role as activists? Should they or shouldn't they? That's the question. This episode is again divided into two parts. I'm joined by two colleagues from the VU Amsterdam and both in their respective capacities very much dealing with this question around science and activism. Our first guest is Professor Davide Januzzi. He's a professor of physics at the VU Amsterdam, but he's also chief impact officer at the university. In that capacity, he's been leading the VU's efforts to cut research ties with the fossil fuel industry. With him, I'll discuss the VU's decision, what it has meant for the community and what role universities at large could play in addressing the climate crisis. Our second guest is Dr. Marte Wens. She's an assistant professor of water security and societal impacts in the Institute for Environmental Studies here at the VU. The main reason why I've invited her here today is her role as a very vocal climate activist, again here at the VU, but also outside our borders. She is, in effect, a very active member of Scientist Rebellion. I want to hear more about where her engagement comes from and what she thinks the role of science and scientists should be in addressing the climate crisis. But first, Davide Januzzi. Uh, welcome, Davide. Thank you very much. Um, great to have you here. Um, I'm going to start with the first clarification question, uh, because, of course, you're a professor of physics here at the VU Amsterdam, um, but you're also a chief impact officer. How do you end up a chief impact officer and what is a chief impact officer? Well, let's start with the second one. So what is a chief impact officer? Uh, I'm responsible for the strategy uh, of the few when it comes to valorization of research activities. So everything that has to do with uh, knowledge transfer and knowledge co-creation. And I ended, ended up here uh, because uh, in the past uh, I had uh, quite a track record on uh, bringing uh, a certain technolo technology to, to society. And uh, I built uh, a little bit of my career on that, uh, creating also incubators here at the FU and then helping many people trying to do the same, trying to bring their idea to society. Uh, and that's what I'm doing now more at the strategic level as a chief impact officer. So this impact is not really meant uh, as uh, environmental impact necessarily, but mostly as uh, research impact uh, again towards uh, our uh, our main stakeholders which is uh, society at large okay but of course we're here to talk about the environment today and when it comes uh, in particular to the relationship between our university 
and uh, the fossil fuel industry particularly, and your role in that as well. So, um, yeah, well, in 2023, uh, the university, the VU Amsterdam, made quite a remarkable decision. Um, first question, what did that decision actually entail again? Well, the idea is uh, actually the idea, the policy will uh, focus on the following. Uh, we are going to discontinue uh, any research activity with fossil fuel companies unless a company of that sector can demonstrate that uh, they are aligned with a decarbonization path that is needed uh, to stay within the limits set uh, in Paris in 2015. Perhaps also interesting to add why am I dealing with this is because it is it has to do uh, with uh, interaction uh, with external parties, parties with whom we might want to create the future. And uh, actually, the triggering point was that as a chief impact officer, I often organize the visits of companies in campus. And uh, I invited the Energy Transition Campus Amsterdam to visit our campus But the Energy Transition Campus Amsterdam is a business unit of Shell. And in reaction to that, the campus uh, highlighted the fact that we needed to shift gear when it comes to collaboration with fossil fuel companies. And that was the trigger that led to the process that led us eventually mm -hmm. to uh, the decision. Mm -hmm. Why did the university actually take this decision? Well, it, first of all, it was not an easy decision. Uh, there was it, it came after a, a very long process where we interviewed the entire campus. We really tried to uh, make every voice heard, also the voice of people who don't usually shout. Uh, the reason why we took this decision, in my opinion, can be uh, summarized uh, uh, in the following way. We are a university that is immersed in society. We want to create impact uh, on the main problems that our society is facing. The environmental issue and environmental crisis that we are living is perhaps one of the most uh, pressing uh, topics that uh, we as researchers uh, can and must contribute to. But we want to team up with the external world to do that. But we can only team up with people and companies and uh, organizations that um, do not necessarily do not do not defend the root causes of the problem we want to solve. And uh, if one looks at the fossil fuel sector, many fossil fuel companies are defending the root cause of the problem that we want to solve. And we think we cannot team up with these companies if we want to solve those problems. This is the, in, in essence, this is the real reason why we took this decision. Mm -hmm. uh, makes sense, uh, at least uh, to me, of course. Um, you said you've talked to a variety of actors in this process before actually coming to the decision, of course. Um, who are those actors then that you talk to? Why do you talk to them? Well, I would say the entire campus. So we went uh, uh, to, let's say, uh, more established professors and elderly professors, if you wish, to very young researchers, uh, people who work with fossil fuel companies or used to work with fossil fuel companies, uh, as well as the students. Uh, um, we really tried to organize also several events where we could attract people Uh, of, from the campus, from the FU campus, to discuss what their position was. And we collected, uh, gave everyone the possibility to write a white paper, for instance, uh, with their opinion. We look into the work council, of course, the student council, uh, and we use this collection of information as uh, our database to take a decision. The decision eventually was taken by the Collège Van Bestur, by the executive board, 
in collaboration with uh, uh, the with the faculty deans, um, but it was informed by all this preparatory work mm -hmm. that we made uh, together with many other people. Did you find the positions diverging quite a lot uh, when you were collecting all this information? And how did you try to reconcile all these different positions? Well, it, it was not difficult to 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 put uh, you know uh, to to see the two big poles that we have. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a very polarized discussion. Uh, there is there are very few people who are a little bit in the between. Um, so it was not difficult to summarize the arguments, pros and against. Uh, the decision that we took. Um, it's not possible to reconcile the two positions. They're really very far apart. And there are very good reasons to be on one side and very good reasons to be on the other. What I really enjoyed a lot, I think this is something that the whole campus enjoyed, is that we always had a very um, constructive confrontational but constructive dialogue within the campus. And I think that the few has demonstrated its character uh, during this discussion. Um, everyone recognizes that uh, the process was inclusive, uh, was open, was again confrontational, but necessary, necessarily confrontational to reach uh, the decision. Not everyone agrees on the decision, of course, yeah. I mean, but that's uh, something that uh, we had to expect. Okay, so you make that decision and then you, you already said what was at the heart of it, right? So you said uh, we're going to stop any new research collaborations with fossil fuel companies that do not demonstrably commit to the Paris Agreement uh, no, climate that's correct. objectives, right? Yeah. But I can imagine that that's just a start. That's not the end of it. And then only the hard work starts because I uh, there's already me thinking, well, what does a research collaboration entail? What does being demonstrably uh, working towards uh, the climate agreement uh, objectives mean? So how do you deal with those issues, these definitional issues? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question. And that's why we took a little bit of time to write the policy. So the decision has been taken and now we are writing the policy with, together with the team. And uh, I, I can be very specific. Uh, we had to basically answer the following question. First of all, well, what is a few employee? So who does this uh, policy apply to? Uh, that's relatively easy. We have very clear definition on that. Then the, the most difficult questions come up. And the first one is what is indeed a research, right? I mean, what do we define as research? But there we are helped by the code of conduct, which is a national code of conduct that every university uses. Um, and that code of conduct explains what a research activity is. So we refer always to, to that definition. Uh, when it comes to what is a fossil fuel company, so we use basically standard and poor uh, classification and we have a series of um, categories that enter into the policy. So if uh, a company belongs to one of the, uh, I think it's five categories of standard and poor that uh, are in the fossil, uh, fossil fuel uh, sector, uh, then, uh, then basically the, the stop is triggered. And, uh, and finally, how do you evaluate whether a company is aligned with a Paris Agreement? That's probably the most difficult one. What we want to stress is that it's the, the ball is in the company's uh, side. They have to provide the documentation that will convince a committee that will look into, into the paperwork, an internal committee of the FU, on whether there is an alignment or not. Fortunately, there are more and more uh, documents that companies are required by by law or at least uh, uh, strongly strongly exactly advised to fill in when it comes to uh, corporate social responsibility 
exactly on this topic. So we are helped with the development of the legislation in this respect to define uh, uh, whether whether a research collaboration enters into the policy. We wanted to keep it really strict to fossil fuel exactly to avoid too much complication in the policy implementation phase. So now that we know what the, the boundaries are, we can write a, a very concrete and very actionable policy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I, I do want to talk about that later as well in terms of how far you go, because I can imagine that some criticism may arise yeah. saying, well, you know, does this or that company fall under the definition sure. of, of sure. uh, being a fossil fuel? And you, you will always have gray areas, always. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, before we, we continue, you're now still developing um, the policy. We're early January, mid-January recording this podcast. When can we expect a final policy to be implemented? By the the, the latest in April, okay. uh, we will probably be ready a bit earlier, but we want to touch base with all the stakeholders to make sure that uh, we are not missing uh, anything. It's a process in which we already are collecting feedback uh, as we write the policy. We have a sounding board. We have already we already went once to the deans, um, so it's it's converging. Yeah. But uh, we took uh, April as the last uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as the last uh, yeah. deadline possible. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see. Yeah. No. Uh, but we, we we're up. Promise. Promise. Yeah, promise. Yeah. Because uh, I know uh, your team is 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 doing great work and working very hard on this. I want to broaden the conversation a little bit because um, I already said um, that for the view, I think this was a starting point, um, and developing this policy is is also a starting point. And and I think that the view isn't doing this in a vacuum. I think other universities are doing this as well. And do you consider this to be a joint effort of academia as a whole in the Netherlands, or do you approach this very individually, if you will? Well, I think it's somewhere in the between. Yeah. Uh, we have been the leaders in this uh, because we started the process much earlier than everyone else. Um, and therefore, we have the responsibility to scale the discussion at the national level, and that's what we are doing. A lot of uh, Dutch universities, but also universities from abroad, by the way, contacted us uh, to learn from the process that we went through. And now we are uh, extending the discussion beyond the few campus. So we first focused on the campus to make sure that we took what we considered the right decision. And now we are uh, organizing and we have already started to have a series of meetings organized together with uh, the Bali. Uh, where universities uh, uh, and also external stakeholders can discuss this topic more in general. We don't just want to throw the stone and then, you know, go for it in our way. We want really to build something together with other parties. We can imagine that, for instance, some technical universities are much more dependent on uh, fossil fuel companies. And we can't blame them. It's it's a very important topic. And uh, historically wise, they are receiving uh, quite some support from those fossil fuel companies. Um, what is important is to recognize that there are certain you know, different conditions. And maybe we can think together how we can help also those technical universities to maybe later reach a stronger position when it comes to deciding uh, with whom to collaborate. Uh, and also, you know, we have to understand together, do we want to use the same definitions? We just talk, talk about definition. Shall we use the same definitions? Shall we, for instance, have a sort of a, a different uh, 
a menu card where you can decide how much you want to, uh, let's say, quote unquote, stop and how much you want to be flexible. Um, But at least try to have a uniform discussion. Plus, if universities talk with one voice, the lobby power is much, much stronger. So that's what we are trying to create with this very open discussion. And uh, uh, we had the first meeting uh, back in December. It was very well received. Uh, A lot of enthusiasm around it, even from universities that are not very much aligned with the policy that we are implementing. So that's that's quite an interesting development. But it comes really from the fact that we feel the responsibility of the fact that we started it. That, that actually brings me to a point because uh, I find that a differentiation in the academic landscape in the Netherlands really interesting. And I, I hear you when you say that um, different universities historically have had different ties uh, with the fossil fuel industry, but with other industries as well, of course. And so perhaps this is can be considered somewhat of a critique as well that I've heard earlier. So the view Amsterdam didn't actually really have that many ties existing ties with the fossil fuel industry. So cutting them then becomes relatively easy. And isn't it then a form of virtue signaling when you say we're cutting the ties or research collaborations with the fossil fuel industry? Well, it is true that we we have a few projects uh, with, uh, with the fossil fuel companies. Uh, um, that's historically because the few has a certain profile that doesn't fit with the research with fossil fuel companies. It is painful, though. Uh, We are constantly talking to the researchers who are affected to see how we can uh, move, um, how we can help them move on. Um, So, and that's a a clear indication of that is the fact that the discussion at the few campus was quite, uh, quite alive. It's not that, uh, you know, we have one position easy to accept from everyone. Some people are feeling uh, the pain and we are trying to mitigate that. So, no, definitely it was it was a, an important decision that will affect the job of some people, the, the way of working, let's say, of some people. And uh, um, so it was a difficult decision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even if even if the exactly. are relatively limited, at least compared to other exactly institutions, right. yeah. it's still and and I get, I can imagine that. I mean, there's other um, considerations that are at play, moral obligations. And we should keep in mind that it's a sort of uh, also principle decision, yes, right? Yes, and yes, uh, yes. a lot of people now are thinking, okay, uh, what's next? I mean, is do we should we embark other discussion uh, with? on collaborations on in other fields, the famous yeah. slippery slope, as yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, some people called it. And, uh, well, certainly not now. We now need a little bit of rest and, uh, uh, let's say, let this policy sink. Yeah. But it's it's a question that we should keep asking ourselves. As a university, we have a role in society. Yeah. And the role of universities is also to be a sort of lighthouse uh, yeah. for society. Um, you, you, you quoted uh, Einstein. I think it's it's a it's a good quote. Yeah. We have a responsibility because we have the knowledge. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, let's circle back to this idea of of, of um, well, the role, the broader role of academia or academic institutions in societal debates when it comes to the climate crisis. Let's not delve into other societal crises. No, please, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Um, yeah. So you talked earlier about this collective lobbying power. If you could come out with a joint statement or a common framework for all academic institutions in the Netherlands, um, 
how important do you think that is? Could you talk a bit more about that? Well, I think it's it's uh, it would let's say it would accelerate the process. Yeah. I think we will get there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a question of time that more universities will align. Uh, actually, we see already you know, other universities going very much into the direction we have indicated with our decision. So um, we we must make sure that um, uh, the taxpayers realize that realize that we as universities talk about these kind of things, that it's not that we are not one against the other, that we understand each other, and that most importantly, that we are all driven by science. One thing that we, we, the responsibility that we have as universities is to make sure that people understand that science is not an opinion, yes. not just another opinion, like other people say. Um, and I think that the role of all universities to team up, to bring this message across uh, is important. So the conclusions that we might have on a decision that is so uh, that has so many different aspects like fossil fuel collaborations can be different mm -hmm. but the starting point the science the starting point is the same and that's what we want to make clear to everyone it's our duty to make sure that people out there understand that there is a set of information that is a given and it's scientifically proven mm -hmm. and you cannot initiate a discussion if you refuse that dialectic that's that's really important. Then, for me, then this raises the question: what What do you want to get out of this as a university, as the VU, but perhaps also as an academic community? Again, in the Netherlands, what do you think is the goal of this collaboration? Then, is it to convince the fossil fuel industry to change? Is it to um, well show the public, the taxpayer, as you said, that you are engaging in? conversations that are being held outside of the academic ivory tower as well? Or is it to put political pressure on policymakers? Or is it all of the above? I, I would say the first two, definitely. I mean, uh, on the one hand, um, you, you really want to, uh, to have a better uh, involvement of universities when it comes to topics like this one. Uh, um, on the other hand, so in a collaborative effort on how do we solve these problems together? Um, there is also a question of informing uh, people on what is going on and why people, especially explaining, most important, explaining why you're taking certain decisions. Uh, do we want to put pressure on, on fossil fuel companies? Well, it's not the goal, but it's a consequence of what yeah. we do. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, there are so many universities all around the world yeah, yeah. that they can live without the fuel, of course. Uh, but it's more, in my opinion, eventually, uh, we go back to the sort of slippery slope. It's more a question of, um, let's say, redesigning uh, the role of universities in our society as the places where there is knowledge. And that knowledge can be used uh, to take difficult decisions, again, as an input, not necessarily as then yeah. with the same output for everyone. And... Um, yeah, I do believe that uh, having a, a dialogue between all the different universities with also external stakeholders allows people to at least understand each other. We may still disagree, but at least we agree that we disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, and also talking to fossil fuel companies in this context is important because they have to understand 
why we took this decision. And uh, perhaps they cannot do anything to change now. Yeah. Uh, perhaps we can help them to do it. Uh, um, the, so in one way or the other, we have to come up with come come out of this mess. And uh, um, and the more we talk the more likely it is that we find uh, a common path. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, you brought me to my next question. That is, how has the fossil fuel industry reacted? Have you had any response yet? Can you share them or not? Or is that... uh, That's a good question. I did, I did have uh, reactions. Um, and um, I cannot share them. I, I, was, I would say I, I had an exchange of emails and... Uh, I was a little bit um, puzzled, if you wish, by the fact that I'm not sure that in this moment there is a complete understanding of the what and the why. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are also having these dialogues outside yeah. to make yeah. sure that there is a better understanding. Mm -hmm. I want to stress once more, if the fossil fuel companies can demonstrate that they are aligned with the, the Paris Agreement, we really want to collaborate with them uh, if not, maybe we can, you know, together build a roadmap for them yeah. to be eligible to yeah. work with us. Yeah, yeah, uh, so it's not that we are simply putting a, a line in the sand and then say, you know, well, to hell, yeah. we move on on other research topics. No, we really want to be part of the solution uh, of the climate um, change crisis. Um, as as one one activist told me once, do we know how to do it? Well, it's uncharted territory for everyone. So we, we don't really, you know, know all the details of how to do it. And for this reason, we have to do it together. That's the disadvantage of being one of the front runners in the world. Yeah, it is, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, another thing that, that you said that, that struck me is, well, it's not just with other academic partners that you're talking or should be talking. It's um, society as a whole, but perhaps other stakeholders broadly defined. So who are those other stakeholders that you can share best practices with or even worse practices as well? Yeah, well, plenty. I mean, you can start thinking about uh, investment uh, funds. Uh, of course, it's the first that comes to, to mind. But uh, other companies that work with fossil fuel companies. Um, so it's, um, it's a problem that not only universities have. Uh, and of course, may maybe our decision uh, has been, uh, I mean, is, is, it makes a lot of noise. Um, and that's why it's so well known. But ABP, the funding uh, um, the pension fund, also decided to take something very similar. Um, so I, I do think that we can learn something from each other. We have different goals. We have different uh, targets, uh, way of working, uh, stakeholders. But at the end, we're all facing the problem that apparently we are living, uh, no, apparently, for sure, we are living uh, a climate crisis. And apparently uh, there is one industry that... Uh, that has quite huge responsibilities for that. Mm -hmm. And how do we deal with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the key. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked a bit about the, the broader role, of course, uh, in society for for um, for universities. And, and we've talked about that in the context, of course, of, of the research that's being done at our uh, institution and other academic institutions. But uh, the broader public knows universities as being institutions of education. Um, we're cutting research ties with specific companies, but how can education, uh, as an important task of a university, play a role in 
trying to address the climate crisis, but also thinking about the role of or the relationship between universities and the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, that's that's an, uh, a very important point. So um, eventually we decided to keep um, education out of this uh, this policy. The main point is that uh, we, first of all, for certain uh, topics, certain classes, it is important to have a debate in the class with the different position uh, represent, well represented. So we need to make a, an equilibrated class. We need people from fossil fuel companies coming to tell us why they think we made a wrong decision mm-hmm. uh, and why they keep defending uh, the fossil fuel business model. That's fundamental in certain topics, for certain topics. So that's point number one. Uh, Point number two, of course, more in general, the few has a sustainability as one of the spear points. So we are trying to introduce uh, courses on uh, environmental science and environmental policies in everywhere we can, because it's a topic that you can't live without in, uh, in the current days. But of course, we also have a task in educating, quote-unquote, uh, as I said before, people outside. And uh, so we are um, increasing, especially with the Amsterdam Sustainability Institute, we are increasing our outreach activities to make sure that also people who are not in our campus, who are not necessarily our students, uh, have access to the basic information that is needed to formulate an opinion on on the matter, basically. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, uh, as I said already a couple of times, that the universities have a role in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it kind of brings me to, to another point, I guess, then, because we already talked about the slippery slope and we want to avoid antagonizing, I guess, researchers here at, at the VU, but elsewhere as well. Um, and we want to avoid, um, you know, already pointing fingers and blaming other, um, um, uh, if you will, economic sectors. Um, so they're a bit more prudent. But then the other side of the coin is then, of course, the reaction of climate activists. I'm thinking about scientist rebellion, perhaps, at our university. How do they react? And is it for them not going far enough and fast enough? Or is their reaction relatively positive as well? Well, so far, I have to say, I mean, I'm in contact with uh, some representative. And uh, I think they really appreciated the fact that we were so responsive uh, to their reaction to my invitation to ETCA, to this uh, Energy Transition Campus Amsterdam. Um, I think that their role in our few story here has been that of accelerating a process that would have any, in any case, would have happened uh, a bit later. And for this, we we have to be thankful for them because they sensitize us, well, that word, um, (laughs) uh, on, on the problem. Uh, and that, and again, we we were very responsive to that. I think that when we took the decision, they were really happy about it. They understand the fact that we need to keep focus only on research and keep the focus on fossil fuel companies to avoid uh, uh, that we write a policy for three years before it's ready. So I think they respect certain uh, limits that uh, perhaps we had to put uh, in uh, designing uh, the decision. So, so far, so good. Um, I want to stress, however, that if with the information we had, the executive board uh, had the feeling that we should have continued collaboration, uh, 
uh, the activists would have had no power to revert that decision. Okay. So the decision is not due to uh, the threat of occupation at university. Okay. Uh, we 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 want to be very clear on that. Yeah. Again, activists were functional to accelerate the process. Mm-hmm. Were functional to collect opinions and information. Absolutely, but. Um, the uh, let's say any threat of occupying or taking other initiatives yeah. has had no influence whatsoever on the decision that we took. Okay, all right, that's an important clarification. Um, a group of representatives that we haven't, or stakeholders that we haven't really talked about, are students. Um, we talked a bit about education, of course, but how have they been involved in this process, and and how were their reactions to everything that's been happening? Um, so we we have involved the student council, yeah. uh, and uh, and also we have uh, reached out all the director of valorization of all faculties, asking them to spread uh, the news. So some individual student uh, have approached us to tell us their opinion. Most students, uh, although it's statistically maybe it's not relevant, but from the reaction that we had, students uh, have been pleased with the mm. with the decision we took. Of course, you know, there are some categories of students who are planning perhaps even to become uh, employees uh, of um, employees of this um, of these companies who do not agree. Uh, and it's fine. Of course, uh, disagreement is always fine. One thing that I would like to stress is that um, also not only classes are not touched by this, but also master thesis, bachelor thesis, internships. Yeah. We see that, um, you know, we see that as an educational part. Of course, for instance, in a master thesis, there is also a research component, but then that is really the gray, super gray area. And even in that gray area, we always say the interest of the students prevails uh, the policy. Mm -hmm. So for us, students are the most important thing, which means that um, in that case, let's say if there is in the gray area, we will try to lean towards what is best for the students. And we have full trust on our teachers to have the uh, sensitivity to guide the students in the best way possible for the students. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, great. I have one final question before we end uh, this fascinating conversation about what we've been doing here at The View and also more broadly the role of universities in, in dealing with uh, issues like the climate crisis in society. And that is, are you an optimist or a pessimist? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in life, in private life, I'm definitely a pessimist. I think that we, are, we live in a sick world. But then when I come here at uh, the few campus and I see how many beautiful things and beautiful mind we have, I become optimist by default. Okay, all right. That's a realistic answer. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Well, that was it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Before I leave you, I want to thank my guests for joining us. I also want to thank Nela of the Climate Expertise Center for helping us realize this show, um, the VU Campus Radio for hosting us, and Floris and his team over at Podcastil for producing it. But most of all, I want to thank you for joining us and listening. Definitely check out our other Climate Breakdown episodes as well. And if you want to learn more about our work, visit the website of our Climate Expertise Center or get in touch directly. Thanks and catch you later.